Now from Bray Vet and Old Connor Avenue in Bray is Pete Weatherburn. Morning, Pete. Good morning, Declan. Good morning. Good to talk to you, as always. Um, before we get down to a bit of business that's on our agenda to have a chat about, I see a headline in the Irish Daily Star today. Puppy farmers brought to heel as Gumtree Ireland bans ads. And I know that uh, for much of your, your, your work uh, as a vet, you know, you've been battling against the abuse of animals, particularly around unregulated puppy farms. Yes, um, that's good news. Um, one of the committees I've been involved with is called IPAG, which is the Irish Pet Animal Advertising Group. And we've been working with, um, basically the, the group is made up of different veterinary groups and charities, as well as websites, trying to work out better ways of dealing with, you know, of, of selling pets online. Um, and what we've really, stage we've reached is that people have to either do it in the optimal way or not at all. Um, so last year, um, Dundee stopped um, advertising dogs, and now Gumtree as well. Um, uh, the ones who are left doing it um, are getting better systems put in place. Well, either, either they're not at all getting good systems in place, or they're um, and they ought to stop advertising dogs, or they are getting better systems in place. There's one well-known one called Dogs.ie. And what 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 they what 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 what's been developed with them is a system of verification. You know how if you do a, an online transaction with your bank or or with lots of other um, groups, you have to um, uh, put in a code that you get by SMS text. So um, to verify yourself. So those kind of systems have been put in place for dog sales, so that the, the real owner of a dog can be verified as a person who also has the dog microchips, and that way you can avoid kind of people selling dogs and then not being able to be found where the dog turns out to be stolen or if there's a health issue with the dog or whatever. So these new methods of verification are getting around that. How big is the problem? Um, we, we hear it from time to time. We hear about raids uh, from the Northern Ireland uh, uh, health, animal health people and people as well in the Republic. And a lot of it is centred around the ports and, and a van with a load of dogs in it or, or whatever. I mean, how big is the problem? It's a very significant problem. Um, one of the challenges is that it, it is on the black market. It is under the radar. And so we don't know how big it is. Um, what we do know is that it's very common for people to be chancers when it comes to selling dogs, when it comes to selling puppies, charging an awful lot of money, taking cash, and doing it in a way which is untraceable so that if there's any problem, they can't be tracked down. So these new ways of verifying online ads are, are dealing with that very effectively, and that's, that's really the good news, I guess. And uh, do many dogs end up in Ireland? Because we've we've often heard of people's pet being restored to them years later, um, in some cases, uh, from the UK. Well, that's the great thing about a microchip, is that it, it, it stays there forever. Um, and a dog's microchip number, uh, uh, they, they can't lose it. It stays, stays there, and, and it's recorded on European-wide databases. So if a dog did turn up in Germany... The microchip number would, would, would tell the person who found the dog in Germany that the dog originated from Ireland, and then they would contact an Irish database and they'd find out who the owner was. So, yeah, it's, um, it, it's a pretty much a bomb-proof way of, of making sure that dogs are traceable for their entire lives. And that means, from, you know, in Ireland, you can't sell a dog or even 
give a dog to somebody else without the dog being microchipped. It's the law that dogs must be microchipped. So you can't buy a puppy without it being microchipped. Or you can't rescue a puppy without it being microchipped. So it does mean that you really should have from puppyhood to death there's a, a record of where a dog came from. Um, and that way, a lot of the, the bad dealing in dogs can be got rid of. And we saw an escalation in prices for dogs as well. Is that mm. still the trend? It, it's, it's eased off a lot. See, it started with lockdown two years ago now, and there weren't enough puppies around at the time, and so prices more than doubled, quadrupled sometimes. Um, now, basically, a lot of everybody who wanted a dog got one, and... Um, Indeed, people who got, some people who got them wanted to get rid of them afterwards because they realised it didn't really work out with their back-to-work lifestyle. So now there's a surplus of dogs again, and so now prices of puppies are coming down again, getting back towards normal. Oh, good. Okay. Now, we've had a lot of queries over the last while about pets that have been coming with their owners um, to uh, Ireland and other parts of Europe from Ukraine. And in mm. fact, there was a story recently of a vet who brought out a, quite a lot of dogs, because obviously a dog lover, animal lover, and was very fearful of uh, what might happen should the dogs either escape uh, because of a war situation or just be left in a uh, Ukrainian city. But dogs and other animals that come into the European Union, come into Ireland, uh, regulations, are, are they being ignored? Are they being told we don't have to have regulations? And what's the implications? Mm, that's a, it's a good question and one that hasn't really been debated much in the, in the media. Um, going by the old rules, um, a dog coming from Ukraine, there is rabies in Ukraine. And so going by the old rules, um, a dog coming in from Ukraine would need to be microchipped in Ukraine, vaccinated against rabies, and then a month later, a blood sample would have to be taken. And only when that blood sample proved that the dog was had full protection against rabies would the dog be allowed to come into Ireland. Um, now, obviously, everything's happened in much more of a hurry than anybody would like. And so what's happened is those rules just for Ukraine have been adapted. And um, what that means now, well, first of all, um, rabies vaccination is more or less obligatory in Ukraine, so a lot of these pet dogs that are coming out of Ukraine are already vaccinated. And indeed, at the border with Poland, um, people were very, very busy. There were teams vaccinating um, any unvaccinated dogs against rabies. So most of the dogs coming from Ukraine have already been vaccinated against rabies, so that's one positive thing. The second thing is... Um, um, normally you have to wait for a month before dogs come in so they've had their blood test. We're actually taking in dogs before the blood test has been taken and because of that, those dogs have been put into quarantine in Ireland. And sometimes that's been done in a kind of home isolation way so they just have to go to a household where there's no other animals and they have to stay there and not going out at all. Um, perhaps dogs going out on a short leash just to, to do what they have to do outside and, and that's it. Um, and that's that's then used as a type of um, quarantine. And so it's definitely relaxation of the rules, um, but it's been recognised that these pets are such emotional um, support um, for, for these unfortunate people who are fleeing the war that the rules have been relaxed to, um, to, make, to make it possible. Yeah, um, tell us about rabies. I mean, you know, we have the image of it, uh, mm. but uh, tell us about, you know, how prominent it was and uh, and is, I suppose. But what happens to a dog? Has it got uh, rabies? Well, basically, it's, a, it's a, a remarkable virus that settles into the salivary glands of the animal 
um, and also moves into the animal's brain. And so when it goes into the brain, it makes the animal uncharacteristically aggressive, a so-called mad dog. And so it makes a dog want to bite another animal or to bite a person. And um, when, the, when the bite happens, um, small amounts of saliva are then ejected around the, the or, or uh, I suppose, sprayed around the bite when the bite happens. And so then you get viruses, virus particles, um, entering the body of the, the animal or the person that's being bitten. And those virus particles then travel up the nerves um, to the head and go to the salivary glands where the virus replicates and, and waits to be produced in saliva when another animal's bitten. And the virus particles also go to the brain and they change the brain's, brain's behavior. So that, that's how rabies works. And, I mean, around the world still, a lot of people die every year, uh, 50, 60, 70,000 people, mostly children, mostly in, in, in Africa and India. Um, in Europe, rabies has been largely controlled through um, mass vaccinations. So all pets across Europe be vaccinated every year against rabies. And there are schemes in place to vaccinate foxes and, and, and other wildlife against rabies. So it's, it's not a huge problem, but it is still there. Ireland's been free of rabies for, for over 100 years, and that's why um, we have a very cautious um, approach to admitting dogs from other countries. Jenny, it sounds nasty, doesn't it? Mm, it's horrible. It's one of, the, one of the worst diseases. It's one of, the, one of the few diseases that goes across all species, you know, in, in, um, dogs, cats, cattle, horses, um, humans. Yeah, and the, the awful thing about rabies is that once you show signs of rabies, in other words, once the virus particles are in your brain, um, then nothing can be done at all. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not a treatable disease in that way. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that's why it, it's definitely a, a real concern. It's less of a concern than it used to be because we've got much better tools um, for, for dealing with it if, if, it, if there ever happened to be um, a case. All right, okay. Well, thanks for that. Uh, sleepless nights over that, by the sound of it. It's just, it just mm. sounds really dreadful. And uh, you can't do much about it if it gets into the brain. One thing we, we better mention, um, because a lot of chocolate going around and a lot of offers in shops and supermarkets, there'll be chocolate at home. And uh, I suppose it'll be very tempting for dogs to uh, have uh, some of this. And in the past, you've warned about chocolate. So better tell us again, Pete. So, so basically, yeah, it's good to mention this because there is chocolate eggs seem to be on sale earlier and earlier every year. And so a lot of households have random Easter eggs just around the place. And I've had several calls already from people whose dogs have eaten an Easter egg and they want to know, should they worry? Well, basically, yes, you should worry. Um, it, it's, it doesn't look toxic to us because we see it as a treat. But dogs don't metabolize um, the theobromine that's in chocolate in the same way as we humans do. So it builds up in their bloodstream very quickly. And when this chemical builds up in their bloodstream, it stops the heart from beating properly and they have a heart attack and they die. So now, obviously, if a dog had a, a, a piece of chocolate, it's, it's not going to die. But it, it's a, it's a dose-dependent poisoning. What that means is we know how much poisoning it takes to kill a dog and how much it is depends on um, two things. First of all, the size of the dog. So little dogs are much more susceptible than big dogs. And secondly, the type of chocolate. So plain dark chocolate is twice as toxic as milk chocolate. But nonetheless, what people need to realize is that if a small dog, like a six-kilogram terrier, ate a, ate a medium-sized Easter egg, that would be enough to kill them. 
Um, so, you know, you, you take this very seriously. If your dog munches a whole bunch of chocolate, the worst thing you can do is to wait and see what happens. Because by the time the dog's heart's gone all erratic and it's having a heart attack, it's too late to save them. If your dog eats loads of chocolate, you need to call your vet immediately, rush them to the vet, and, and get the dog given an injection to cause it to vomit so that all the chocolate's removed from the dog's stomach and the problem is solved. Okay, but be careful. And uh, go to the, the chocolates, dark, milk, white, any difference? No, white chocolate is perfectly safe. White chocolate, it's, okay. it's high fat, but milk chocolate is toxic, and plain chocolate, dark chocolate, that's the most toxic of all. So, all right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, anyway, that's the one I like, so no dog is, <laughs> no dog is getting my dark chocolate anyway. <laughs> lock it up, Declan, lock it up. Uh, that, that is the one, and of course there's all the different cocoa levels and things and that, which oh, I won't go into how much I enjoy them, but anyway, there you go. Uh, Pete, uh, thanks for coming on this morning, uh, and thanks for all the advice, and, uh, you know, have a good weekend, and, and <laughs> just enjoy all what you do. Thank you very much. Thanks, Declan. Thank you. Bye-bye. That is Pete Weatherburn, and you can get Pete at Brave Vet. He's also got a website called PeteTheVet.com. He's based, as you know, in Bray.